Hello. Hey, Crystal. Hi. How's it going? Oh, I've been better. It's so weird when you sense a link. Like in the past, it would like take me to the app and let me go through the app, but it didn't this time. So, oh, that's weird. All right. Well, we're just waiting on Allison here, but how's your Sunday? Oh, man. I don't know. I've been in a funk for like a month. So, I mean, it's okay. In January's weird. Yeah. Well, all the issues that I've been having, like with my bladder and everything, I've been to the gym once in a month, and that is not me. And it's just got me. I don't know. Impressed. <laughs> yeah, the gym. Well, we talked about last week the January blues. Mm hmm. Oh. Yeah. The sun's out today, though, so. Oh, yeah, it is here, too. Yeah, I mean, that, like, it really does make you feel better. But I was able to get to the gym this morning, so I oh, had that. that's nice. Yeah, I'm slowly trying. I keep telling myself I'm getting back into it, but then I blow it off. So I'm, gra- I'm just saying I'm going when I can. Yeah. And the kid is up. Hold on just a second. Okay. All right, I guess I'm doing this on my own here. (laughs) Uh, Hold on, let me try to get Allison in. I usually send it to Allison the other way. I think that he was going to get up anymore, and he did. Allison. Hi. Hi. Yeah, we've gone over two minutes already. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I figured figured we'd just let it go today. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So how are you today, Allison? Um, I'm good. I I think we have chicken pox. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I can't catch a break any more than it sounds like Crystal can today. Yeah. Oh man. I can remember when chicken pox. Yeah, it's it's not been fun. It looks like uh my daughter has it first and uh my little dude is showing some signs of it, so it should be an interesting week. I don't even remember how long they last for. Uh it depends. I mean both of my kids have been vaccinated for it. But with any kind of vaccine, there is the possibility of uh, you still contracting it. It just vaccines work to help lower the chances of you contracting something. And they also make it where it it doesn't last as long as it's softer on you kind of a deal. But you can still catch it, unfortunately. Uh, For me, when I had it, I think I had it for like two weeks. And it was bad. Like, I have scarring from it, and so does my sister. I'm hoping, because there's the vaccine now that my daughter has had, and my son has had too, um, that it, it won't last anywhere near as long. But we're still just kind of like, eh, okay, let's let everybody in the mom group know. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't remember how long I had it, but I do have scars too from it. I don't know if it's still there. I remember when I had it, I had like this really big one on my chest that would that left a scar, but I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, my sister has a big one on her shoulder from the scarring of it, so mine's on my chest too. Actually, I have yeah, two I, of them. Mine are on um and my flanks, like right at the base of my rib cage. Those were the worst parts for me because I was in third or fourth grade and I already had a bra. And it was just like wherever that sat, it was horrible. Yeah. Wait, you were that old when you had them? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was I did, like four or five. I was little. Yeah, we uh, we got into a different school and it just broke out. <laughs> And we were just, everybody was like, oh, we're going to have playdates now. Ah, your kids are coming to my house. <laughs> everybody gets them at the same time, which, you know, it's, it's funny because I have a feeling some of the women in our uh, play group are going to be like that, too. They're going to be like, oh, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. But we'll see. Outside of that, um, it's been pretty good. I mean, um, I'm excited. I'm gearing up to go to C2E2 at the end of next or the end of this month now um that is a giant comic book convention and a group of us are going as apocalyptic disney characters so oh, that's cool i've always wanted to go to like a comic con or something and dress up yes so i've been working on my costume the past few days while also cranking out the very first caricature orders of the year so busy busy <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's good. You've been, been. Have you been feeling better, Allison? I actually um, have been physically feeling better. Mentally, I have been in a weird state. Um, I I've had probably the worst CPTSD based hallucinations um, in about two three years now. Like, I remember the first time we talked about it on our show, I mentioned how bad they were, and you were kind of like, oh, how do you deal with those? And I'm like, meds, time. Um, I really haven't had a bad visual, uh, full-blown attack in a while. And, like, from right after you and I recorded our show last week to about yesterday, I've just been in this weird on-and-off state where... I'm hearing people entering and exiting my house. I'm hearing voices that aren't there. Uh, it's been it's been interesting. So from a mental standpoint, I'm feeling kind of exhausted, but physically, I'm feeling better. I'm keeping food down. I have more energy. Um, meds are working. So we're on the right path. Is the good thing. It's just I think my body's kind of in a state of shock right now with the new meds and it might not all be playing well together okay well i mean glad you're at least physically better yeah and <laughs> i hope the the mental side gets better yeah it will i i think that's the one nice thing about both the online community that we've met through and then the one here that i have in, I guess, real world. Uh, <laughs> not that you guys don't exist in the real world, but, you know. Um, I feel very supported. Like, I, I feel like I can reach out to you guys or some of my other friends. And then I have people here 
Um, my partner's been really good lately. He's been trying to find a balance between gaming with his brother and making sure that I'm feeling safe and secure. Um, it's it's kind of... I feel like this year has been a very good year support-wise for me, and that's definitely helped with a lot of things. It's boosted my confidence. It's made it a lot easier to tackle stuff. It's just kind of been an all-over better experience than it has in the past. So I'm feeling very positive despite the kind of anxiety and the darkness that's looming over my head. And I, I definitely feel like being invited to go with this group to C2E2 and actually having kind of like a goal in mind to make my costume and my cosplay really cool has helped kind of divert my attention a little bit too. Plus the caricature orders because th- there's some fun ones too because Valentine's Day is coming up. And uh, as, as much as I personally hate Valentine's Day, <laughs> as a person in a relationship, I hate it. But um I, I love getting caricatures this time of year because a lot of them are proposals and my favorite caricatures to do are proposal caricatures. That's really <laughs> cute. They're so much fun and they are cute. Like I just, I love having people go, Hey, can you not post this until like sometime in March <laughs> just in case? Cause we're big fans or stuff like that. Like, yes. Oh, I love it. I have one that I'm doing right now where, um, it's a Star Wars themed proposal and I'm all over it. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, you also did the one for our podcast cover art. Yes. <laughs> I love that one. If I, I do too. And I actually had a friend who listens to our podcast, uh, ask if I was going to do an updated one, um, and, and have like the different, holidays represented I'm like I could totally do that I could put like a Santa hat on Ralph and <laughs> like a big <laughs> costume on me <laughs> or if we do like a theme month yeah which like I believe you were talking about yes like that'd be fun to do so it's just it's just I have to have the time to do it and between uh, getting book two finalized and out to my new editor and getting book one back for edits and cuts for uh, the second edition release of that that'll be uh, fixed. Um, doing a speaking engagement about being a writer this month. Just, I, I like having a full calendar because it helps with my mental health. I know a lot of people get overwhelmed really easy, but for me, having the full calendar, having the caricature and face painting gigs, having the uh, incoming caricatures that I can draw at night after my kids go to bed or during the day when they're behaving, which is very rare lately. Um, (laughs) Oh, mom life. (laughs) Right? Oh, never ends. Um, You know, just having that, like looking at my calendar is nice. The only downside though, is that I have unfortunately lost a bunch of gigs because in an effort to, uh, and I love this effort, don't get me wrong. I just, it's, it's frustrating on my level because there should be established trust, but I get where the school district is coming from. Chicago public schools have decided that um, they will not welcome anybody into their buildings to do events without um, proof and licensure that you are safe to be around children 
And for me, it's, it's a price that I can't afford to pay every time I go to one of these schools. So unfortunately, I've lost out on those. And I've always loved doing the school dances and the homecomings and uh, graduations and their carnivals and fairs to raise money for school. So it's, it's kind of a hole in my schedule and in my heart a little bit because I've gotten to really know some of the staff. But I mean, I, I respect it. I respect the need to protect children, especially as a sexual assault uh warrior so i i get it i just yeah <laughs> yeah no that makes sense i so they want you to like pay to to go into so, schools and do the i have to provide proof of it of a, a special insurance like i have um my sister and I have a liability type insurance where uh, for her business, it protects her in case somebody has an allergic reaction to the paints that she uses mm-hmm. or uh, something along those lines. For me, um, mine protects me in case my easel falls over and cracks somebody in the head or um, something along those lines. Yeah. Basically when I go to events, this is a new type of insurance and proof where it's a background check, but you have to pay every time for this background check. And for the licensure, from my understanding, it's kind of like obtaining a liquor license for a party that you're hosting mm. at a party or something. And the, the fee for it, because of the background check and everything else that's involved, is almost an hour and a half's worth of a gig pay. Right. And a lot of gigs for the school district, I do either discounted or I donate my time. So it just... If it was a one-time fee and I'd have it for a whole year, it'd be worth it. But because oh, yeah. I have every single time, it's it's just not worth it for me. Yeah, no, I get it. I, yeah, I'm just not a big enough entity to, to provide that. And it, it's sad. But I respect it. Yeah. I understand it. You know, I, it, it's not a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Boy, I, uh, so I spent much of the afternoon after I got home working on, uh, the next episode of my still unknown podcast. Yes. And it's my, I told you it's my first paranormal story. Yes. I, uh, well, I'm doing this one a bit differently. I am, uh, now Allison, you're Chicago. Yes, I am. Are you aware of Chicago's most famous ghost? Are you we talking Mothman or are we talking another one? Because there's there's a couple, but I, I'm well aware of Mothman. Moth, I thought Mothman was like West Virginia or Virginia. So I believe that the Mothman myth or lore started in West Virginia, but there is literally a sighting every year at O'Hare. And O'Hare is my backyard, for those who don't know. Um, Like, literally, if you're flying through O'Hare, just wave out the window (laughs) towards the highway, because my house is over there. (laughs) Oh, no, it's it's not Mothman. (laughs) But, yeah, so I'm very, very familiar with Mothman. Well, it's not that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which which other one is it? Because we've had a couple. And also... um, Unrelated to this podcast, but off behind the curtain of this podcast, I'd like to talk to you about a recent string of murders that are happening in Chicago. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) 
But uh, no, it is the Resurrection Mary story. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But the thing is, I wanted to do this differently, so I kind of wrote, like, I guess it would come off as, like, a creepypasta, but it's, like, it's, like, my own take on that story. I loved your creepypasta. (laughs) I know. (laughs) When you made the voices, like, for the mom, (laughs) it was so funny. Oh, man. I I hate to say it. I think I I think I deleted that episode. Really? Oh. I think I I I don't know why, but I I don't I don't know, but I uh, wrote out like my own personal take on the Resurrection Mary story, Mm -hmm. and I record I recorded that up top. It's like fifteen minutes, and I was going to do the rest of the episode basically telling the actual Resurrection Mary sort like the legend itself. But I I got busy with other stuff. I didn't write that script out, so I tried to like wing it off Wikipedia (laughs) and a couple other things, but I I ended up getting frustrated and just like, so I'm just leaving like the story and saying it's my own personal take on that story. Yeah. And, and, that's then, fine. and then providing the Wikipedia link in the show notes if anyone wants to. But yeah, but this episode is essentially just going to be like my own person, like my own story I came up with uh, along, like that has to do with Resurrection Mary. Yeah, and Resurrection so. Mary was was briefly touched on because I took a class in high school that was. Uh, my teacher is huge into paranormal. She was also a tornado chaser. I adored this woman. Um, <laughs> but we did a whole unit on paranormal. And actually, one of our extra credits was to go to a place in our area um, that, you know, famous, occur- famous paranormal occurrences had taken place and see if we could capture orbs on uh, in, in pictures for cameras. Or uh, the, the big one is there's a railroad crossing where a car got hit. Like this mom got out, her car died on the tracks and it was supposed to be an abandoned track line. And she left her three sleeping kids in the back seat to go and get help. And oh this closed down train line wasn't actually closed. So it's, it's rumored that if you park your car on those train tracks at night, cause it is now officially closed uh, and dust your bumper and wait, not only will you hear like train bells coming, but when you get out and move your car, there'll be little like child-sized fingerprints in the dust on your bumper. Mm. So, <laughs> yes. Um, there's, there's just a lot of really kind of cool paranormal stuff in the Chicagoland area. Um, there's graveyards where people have seen people uh, that won't be there. Like they'll come up and ask you, "Can you help me find this gravestone? I'm a little lost." And you'll turn around after you find it, and they'll be gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's just some really cool stuff. So it's kind of nice that you're doing your own spin on it because I think that that adds to, especially stories that have a paranormal-y kind of add to it. Yeah. Well, the, I mean this. The Resurrection Mary story is like maybe my favorite ghost story or my favorite style of ghost story. Mm-hmm. Because it's 
is there's been like different incarnations of it. it's essentially uh derived from the ur- the urban legend of the vanishing hitchhiker yep so it's, it's yeah it's kind of my own personal date i mean my i essentially wrote a creepy pasta on that there is nothing wrong with creepy pastas i am here for them <laughs> All right, well, so that well, that's what you're getting on that podcast tomorrow. Woohoo! Yes, I'm excited for that. <laughs> so yeah, Super Bowl. Anybody watching that or no? I'll just no. Well, I know Joey will be. I'll yeah, just we... be looking. I'll be watching, binge watching my crime shows like I always do. <laughs> my husband this morning, he was like, "Why do you like this stuff? It's so sad." I'm like, "I don't know." <sighs> My mom's the same way, though. She worked for the prison system in Florida for, I think, 22 years. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, she worked with inmates and stuff, and she is obsessed with all the crime shows and everything, too. So Yeah, I I love them. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just be Googling, you know, checking, like, updating on the game, but I don't really care about the teams. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. (laughs) Crystal, I know you were, uh, I don't know if you were going to bring up The Stranger with me. Um, so I binge watched the entire thing. Oh, already? <gasps> I did. I was not impressed, Joey. They changed a lot of stuff. Huh. It was not, I mean, there were some things like the book, but they changed a lot of stuff that was different than the book. And I was not that, I mean, it was good. I think if you had not read the um the book I think you would like the TV show but it was too different Mm. yeah it was really really different so I it was okay I finished it yesterday I've I've been watching so much TV I've been been watching like seasons of stuff and like um and like a day and everything so yeah I finished it it was okay how many episodes are there? Eight. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like too long, but no. They just no. they change I hate I don't know. It just makes me wonder. Like I don't I love Harlan Coben. Like the last what, twelve, thirteen books that I've read, they were all his. Um I wonder authors, they have to sign off on like the shows, don't they? Or no? Do they not get a say? I, I th- no, I, th- I, th- I think it depends. It's his name on it. Yeah, but I, I believe he signed it. I believe he's behind it. I would just be mad. Like, I don't know. I think like if I wrote a book and they changed a lot of stuff in it, I think I'd be pissed off. It it honestly depends, um, and I'm learning this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it. It depends on a, a couple different things. One, when you release the rights mm-hmm. um, to your, your work for it to become a movie or a show or a play or whatever else, you are giving a certain amount of creative licensure to whoever is going to take that and make it into and a And change script. it. Yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense. Um, now, there's two ways you can go about this. You can either be very hands-on, which um, Daphne Meyer was very hands-on with the very first Twilight movie. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not saying that was part of why that script was so bad. Mm. Uh, but for some people, like, people have to understand, and I've taken classes on both creative novel writing and creative script writing or playwriting. And they are two very different ways of writing. You Dialogue needs to be more expressive and detailed in script writing because you're literally going only off of words and motions versus in a book, you can dive into what the person is thinking. You can give background on the room. Yeah. You can't do that script. So there has to be some creative licensure to either add lines or remove lines or to expand on a thought, etc. And some authors will choose to write them themselves. And that can either be an extreme bonus or it can be an extreme detriment. The other option is uh, Ronald Dahl with Willy Wonka took a step back and wanted nothing to do until he saw the final project. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big mistake too because then if you end up hating it, well, <laughs> they did what they they did their jobs. You know, they made it creatively and expanded on your universe. So there's a fine line between it. It really depends. Um, the other thing that needs to be acknowledged when you're transferring written text into a script for TV and movie is that if you haven't explained in fine detail what characters look like, uh, ages and stuff like that, it's, it's up to their interpretation to fill in those missing pieces, so to speak. Um, that's why, as people who read, um, a lot of people who drew fan fiction and fan art of the Harry Potter series do Hermione as either uh, multicultural or African-American based. And she's white in the book. I mean, white in the movies. And people in the books didn't feel like they got that. So there was some disconnect there. But again, there's no real indication of anything that's like eye color and hair color. So uh, there's always interpretation. There's always a way that people are going to take things. They just, they added so many, like, they added different things, which I, I guess I understand if you're, you know, having an, a, a series to take one book, you know, you're going to, I guess, add things, but yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. The things that they added were kind of weird. And yeah, I had that issue. Oh God. The movies, I only watched the first movie. The first movie was terrible. I never watched any of the others. I love I- books. I love the books too. And I had friends that acted in the first movie. So I I saw it and I enjoyed it. And I hadn't read the books at that point. Like I didn't want to read it in case I didn't want to ruin it for myself Mm -hmm. because I didn't hurt my friend's feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. So I watched it first and then I went and read the book series. And by the time the second movie came out, I had finished the entire series, including the one that's just based off of four's views. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say I hated the second movie, but it irritated me because it was so different. But it was different in a creative way. But that third one, they just went, well, here we have a book. Here, let's use this now. You know, check that out the goddamn window. We're going to write our own fucking script. It was so, it was 180 different from the book. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why the bomb's so banned and they never made the fourth one. Mm -hmm. And Game of Thrones did something similar like there's a lot of characters arcs 
where they killed them off in the series and they're still alive in the books, so they're st- they're dead in the books and they're still alive in the series, or storylines for people aren't the same as they are in the books. And I, having been reading these books for forever, was a little frustrated by this. I'm like, that's not the way it happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't do well with like. I always try to read the books first and then watch the movies, but then I end up just being all pissed off because yeah, I just, yeah. to me, it's like, you know, you, you read this book and you can see everything in your head and then you watch the movie and it's totally not even just different like that, but when they change like huge things, when they change yeah, and I'm just like, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, perfect example. Um, I've been doing this thing lately where I've been wanting to read the book before seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. But a perfect example of someone selling the rights of their book to for the director to make it any way they wanted, and then hating the final pro, and then the author hated the final product was uh, Stephen King with The Shining. Oh, yes. Yeah, like he stood, like he um he was just excited it was getting made into a movie, and he sold the rights to Stanley Kubrick, and then he hated what Kubrick did with it. Yeah, is The Shining I, the one with the kid walking down the hall or something? Yeah. Okay. The, yes, in the hotel they yeah. buy the hotel. I I don't do scary movies because I have nightmares. So <laughs> <laughs> I've only well, ever but... seen two two um of. Uh, Stephen King's films. The one was the Langoliers, and that was just weird. And then yeah. the other one was um, Gerald's Game, and that one was okay. so screwed up. Ugh. Yeah, I, I read that. I haven't watched that. I read that book, but I haven't watched the movie yet. Oh God, I I just can't. I can't. I can't do that kind of stuff. It it's too much. I yeah, but... almost read the book in um, high school, and I didn't finish it. But yeah. Well, what? I was going to say, like, The Shining is considered, like, one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Ugh. Yeah. And I had, seen, I had seen the movie before reading the book, and I, lo- I loved the movie, but then I read the book, and I figured that was the way to do it. Like, if you're, like, going to do both, I recommend seeing the movie first and then reading the book. Because yeah. I, f- I feel if, you're gonna, if you do it the other way around, you understand where Stephen King is coming from. And maybe you agree with him, but if you can like view each of them on their own merits, then you can enjoy them both. Yeah. But I recommend watching the movie first, then reading the book. In yeah. That, in that case. And it, it's funny because I think that that was one of Stephen King's first book to movies. Like I think that was one of the very first ones, and ever since then he's been way more. Uh, I think he's been an executive producer, if not the writer for the rest of the movies of his books that have come out. Yeah, well... Well, no, Carrie was his first, like, book to movie. Okay. I couldn't remember for sure. Yeah. I lie. I I have seen Pet Cemetery when I was a kid, and I didn't sleep all night, and that (laughs) did it in. (laughs) Horrible. I can't... I cannot... One thing I cannot watch is people being tortured and stuff, and, like, I don't know. I just see. I I remember the Tiny Toons Pet Cemetery episode. <laughs> I don't think I, I used to love watching Tiny Toons. I don't think I remember the Pet Cemetery episode though. 
It was for their Halloween special, and it's Elvira. Mm. And she's hugging that that poor cat. (laughs) And it runs away from her, and it runs into the cemetery of all of her other passed away pets. And they probably come back to, like, haunt her. Like, this is what she did to us. And it was like, what is this? And my mom looks at me, she goes, that's a book that you're going to want to read when you get older. I'm like, why? She's like, because it's, it's, it's right up your alley. And I ended up reading it later. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is so much darker than Tiny Toons. Yeah. Even Harlan Coben, he, oh, man, some of his books is a little, I mean, and it, they're not even that bad. But it's just, they they give me anxiety. And I, I end up reading them before bed. And... Ugh. I I am a huge Dean Koontz fan, but there is one book in his series that I can't read anymore. Like, I've read it twice, and I won't read it anymore because it gives me such horrible nightmares and such great anxiety. And it's called False Memory. And if you're one of those people who likes very realistic villains, very real situations, like things that could legit happen, that is a book that is perfect for you. Um. The first time I read through it, I loved it. The second time I read through it was right after my divorce. And I, it was triggering as all fuck. And I went, never again. And I actually gave it to somebody else. But it's it's one of the only books I've ever read where I've actually had a panic attack from just reading it. Oh. And it was weird because I love his writing. I prefer his writing actually to king i know that's horrible but i do um <laughs> and i just i remember reading that and going oh my god i might have to switch to king now if that's how he's gonna write from now on i don't i don't i've never read any of dean Koontz. oh i, I love him books I love him so much. there's always a dog in every book there's a dog mm-hmm. <laughs> and the dog brightens my day Scary. I can rely on scary movies and books. I just Wikipedia them. Yeah, (laughs) and I just read about like what happens. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can't like the hostile movies and all that stuff, like uh, torture and stuff. I just I can't do those kinds. Like saw. Yeah, saw. Oh my god, no. The only movie that was kind of like that that I ever watched was um. The House of Wax. Yes. And I only got to the part where, like, they were, like, peeling away that person's skin because there was wax mm-hmm. all over it. And I had to stop. Like, I can't do it. I cannot. I, I can't. It's, it's funny because I love the Saw movies. But I think after everything that happened to me in my marriage, if I were to go back <laughs> and watch them now, I might not do as well. Because... Like, I, I remember them very vividly. I remember Carrie Ellis's character, and I remember, um, you know, just the psychological game of it. But I feel like the fact that a lot of them are captive in similar ways to what I went through would be very, very anxiety and trigger inducing. And I'm not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I, yeah. It, 
it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Yeah, like, I love psychological thrillers like that. Like, I think that's actually my favorite genre of horror is the ones that are very realistic. Paranormal ones are fun. But I prefer the ones where I could look at it and go, wow, this is shit that could actually happen. Well, and I like, (laughs) yeah, I like psychological stuff, too. But not horror. I just like the kind of like Fight Club. Yes. Type of, that's the kind of stuff that I... I can watch, but like the horror. Can you watch Seven? I've never watched Seven, but I know what it is. That's with Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, no, I've never watched it. I probably could. I liked, um, what's that one with Jim Carrey? Uh, 21? Number 23. Yes, thank you, 23. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's a good one. Um, it's it's definitely more mental health. A lot of my friends that have mental health uh, brain fog have mental health uh, restrictions and barriers and uh, battles that they deal with don't like it because it does kind of paint a certain mental health uh, diagnosis in a very bad light. If you can ignore that part, which from a mental health warrior's perspective, nothing like that should be ignored. But if you can ignore it in the, if you can ignore it by acknowledging that it's pure fiction, it's not so bad. Um, If you look at it as almost like a memoir of how mental illness can bother you, it's going to it's going to piss you off like it did me. Because that's how I watched it the first time. And then one of my friends who has the mental illness that is depicted in the movie, like, you have to take it out of it. Like, you have to acknowledge that, yes, this is a possibility, but that this is fiction and somebody who doesn't understand this mental illness utilizing it. Which happens a lot, as I've noticed in books and movies, that people with mental illness kind of get painted as the crazy people and the villains and uh, the people not to be trusted. And I'm kind of waiting for that to shift the opposite way. And in certain genres and with certain authors and with certain filmmakers, it has to an extent, but it's still kind of everybody's go-to where it's easy to pass somebody who has uh, DID or dissociative disorder um as a villain it's easy to use bipolar and schizophrenia as scapegoats for villains it's 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 are there aspects of that that can be utilized probably but should it be the flag that's always carried no not by any means well did you see joker Yes. With okay, Joaquin well, Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah, yes. I haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, do you have a thought on that? Like how they portrayed mental illness in that movie? I I think given what they were trying to present with it, they did an okay job, but there were still parts of it. I don't, see, I don't want to spoil it for Crystal or anybody who hasn't had a chance to watch it yet, but... <laughs> 
I think it was done like you saw the stages of it. You yeah. saw how it progressed. And they did beautifully there. Because you can see how you can kind of go from being aware to feeling isolated to not really knowing what to do. And when you get to that not knowing what to do, there's two directions you can go into. And one of them is this complete and utter denial. And the other one is to get help. And I feel like they, they played a really good balancing act until a certain point, And then it just becomes the usual, well, this is an easy scapegoat. But I have a hard time with it, you know? Yeah, but, like, taking in, like, getting help, like, I think that's why it's, it helps, like, it's a period movie because it takes place in the early 80s. Yes. When, uh, like, getting help, like, wasn't viewed as, like, the way it is now. Yes. So... And I I do agree with that. With period pieces, that is helpful. Because I watched a couple movies recently that are period that have uh, epilepsy painted as... I mean, we've talked about my epilepsy before and how uh, people have refused to shake my hand and stuff like that because they're afraid that it's contagious. And that is painted sometimes in movies when in regards to epilepsy or any neurological disorder. And... It's not always coming from a place of... negativity sometimes it's actually meant to do what i feel joker did well which is paint the differences of how we handle things however there are still people that (sighs) hunger games is a great one hunger games and i feel like frozen are great ones where you have the ability to show ptsd to show anxiety to show these things in ways that everybody will understand them and you go for the most basic stereotypical crazy quote unquote uh displays of it you know in hunger games instead of acknowledging that katniss is is dealing with ptsd and anxiety and everything else you just see her rocking back and forth and screaming and that's not all it is in Frozen, you have this perfect opportunity to acknowledge not only that people want you as an individual who deals with anxiety to hide it and to act normal, quote-unquote, because normal is very subjective, but to also explain that it's not bad to, to have anxiety. And instead, you have everybody kind of perpetuating the cycle that Elsa was wrong to release her powers until the very end. And then her powers are, it's not her anxiety that caused the issues. It's just her not having control. And it's no, this is an anxiety that she's been taught to hide for forever. So I don't know. <laughs> Frozen. I, I didn't watch it until like a month ago and it was real. It really made me sad. <laughs> I just, I hate that because you can see that she's scared. Yeah. And it's really sad for her sister because she doesn't understand either. You know, people say, mm-hmm. like, do you want to build a snowman? But I mean, it's really sad. She wants it's to a- be with her sister and her, it's just, ugh. 
Anna has generalized depression and Elsa has extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. And both of them are well warranted because you have these two girls that are isolated mm-hmm. from everybody. Elsa is isolated by her parents. Yep. Which that's a whole nother story because I could go on a huge rant about that. <laughs> but she's she's told to hide it that she can't be with other people because she's not quote unquote normal. And instead of teaching her to embrace her differences and to use them as a positive thing, they hide her in a fucking room mm-hmm. and make her more anxious. And then poor Anna, who has her memory erased, yeah, who is now isolated from her sister, who loses her parents, who's never had it. She's locked in a freaking castle. I... I saw the second one recently with my kids and I heard it's good. I haven't seen it yet. It it is so good. And thank you, Disney, for finally presenting a non-toxic male character. I love freaking Kristoff. Kristoff is the best Disney prince. I adore him because he does the opposite of every other Disney prince who knocks the princess out of the way and it's like, I got this. No, he's like, I'm here. What do you need? Yes! <laughs> I think I just stood up and cheered when he said that. I was like, yes! Let the girl take the lead for once. Thank you! But Anna sings a song about the darkness and how it's encapsulating her again. And I'm like, that's depression! Like, she's not afraid because everybody's gone. She's afraid because she doesn't know the way out. She's scared that it's going to happen again, that she's lost her sister again, that she's lost Kristoff, that she's, you know... Like, oh, Disney had such a great opportunity to showcase these mental illnesses that affect everybody of all different ages, all different genders, all different races in such a beautiful way. And they just kind of went, meh. It's frustrating to me (laughs) because I feel like we're making progress in, in the industry of both children and adults films and by adult films I don't mean the porn I mean you know like the older kids PG-13 and up um, by having characters that have autism that have um, anxiety that have depression uh, that have invisible illnesses that you know are are a little bit different and not just physically and uh Ability-wise, accessible, accessibly-wise, but who are emotionally different too. And while that progress is coming by us seeing those, there's still not enough emphasis in a positive manner on it. Like, there's a show out now that I keep seeing advertisements for. I think it's called um, "It's Going to Be Okay" or "It's Okay" or. Um, something along those lines. It's a Netflix or a Hulu show, but um, it's Mm. a mixed family where the father dies and the older brother who's gay becomes the guardian of the two sisters who are one is on the autism spectrum and the other one I I don't know. Uh, 
there's something there's something interesting about her, but I can't figure out what it is. And I I want to watch the show because the actress portraying the autistic daughter is autistic herself, and I love that representation. Like, thank you. Um, but on the other spectrum, I feel like they've made her the completely comedy. And I have a nephew that's autistic, and while yes, sometimes he says really funny shit, that's not all he is. You know, autism is not all no filter. It's not all f funny stuff. It's not all um, s social uh, irregularities. It's it's so much more than that. And I feel like the character could be a little bit more fleshed out. And maybe I'm, because I haven't watched it yet, maybe they are and I'm just not noticing it. But it bothers me just the, like, it bothers me that something like that, that is great representation, is being portrayed as this very modern family comedy type deal. Yeah, um, I think I found it on Browsing Hulu. I think I came across is called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like, I I love the fact that they cast a neurodivergent actress to play a neurodivergent character. I love that. But I feel like either the writers have no freaking clue how like all the different beautiful facets of being neurodivergent that they could at, you know utilize for this character or it's just a really really poor choice and i haven't like i said i haven't watched it so i don't know but it really turns me off to see it played out as this funny over the top comedic aspect like i don't know it just bothers me Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't heard of this show, though. I haven't heard of it either. I'll have to. Yeah, it. Well, I can, it's on Hulu. It's a free form show. Yeah, I see that. I'm looking at which, it right now. Yeah. Which I yeah, think but like free form used to be what ABC Family was. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah. Just every advertisement I've seen for it. It's it's very like the fact that she has no filter as an autistic person is very in your face. Like there's there's one advertisement where she calls her brother and asks if two friends can come over for a, a threesome. What? Uh, there's another advertisement where she's giving the eulogy for her dad, and she she makes some kind of inappropriate line that's that's supposed to make you laugh. And it feels like every time she's on screen, that's what she's doing. Like, there's an advertisement where it's her brother and her are talking about how she's going to go to college and she needs to experience drinking and get white girl wasted. And he's like, no, it's just white girl wasted. She's like, white girl wasted. And he's like, no, just, just white girl wasted. Just, just, just plain. And it's, it's cute. But if every time that she's on screen, that's, that's her trope. It's doing a disservice to to neurodivergent people. It really is, and 
again, I haven't watched it. So maybe there's more. But it, it I don't want to watch it because if, if that's what's all that's being offered. Yeah. It's frustrating. I wonder how, I, I wonder what her, like my stepdaughter has autism because of, I mean, she has epilepsy. She has a slew of um, medical um, issues. And, but she's nonverbal. I just, I wonder how severe this girl's autism is. Like, is she, it, like, to be an actress, is she, like, hyping it up a little bit? Is that really her? Are they giving her lines? Is she just, you know, that's what... It, it does. It raises questions. In interviews that she's done, she seems well-spoken. Like, she has okay. moments where she, she does blurt something out. Right. But I would... I mean, I don't know enough. I Outside of my nephew, I really don't have any authority to really speak on it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's... it bothers me that it feels like they're closing her in this box right. of only comedy. When yeah. there's so much more there. Like, I'd like to see the meltdowns. I want to see... I want it to be realistic if you're going to go there. And I feel like they took the right step in getting somebody who has the same neurodivergency as the character because then it can bring more authenticity to it. But like you, I wonder how much is played up. Yeah. And hand in hand with um, LGBTQIA and non-LGBTQIA character or people portraying characters. Will and Grace was great in that aspect in that you had a gay man playing a straight man and a straight man playing a gay man. And there were very stereotypical moments with Jack, but I always appreciated the fact that the guy who played Will, whose name I can remember right now, would kind of give him notes and feedback. Like they would interview together and talk about how that was what they did was, you know, Wait a minute. Uh, well, Eric McCormick is Will. Yeah. He's actually straight. Yeah. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, he's straight. And uh, Sean Hayes, who plays Jack, is the one who's really gay. Yeah. Oh. So, okay, yeah. maybe I had that back <laughs> Yeah. Who is it? Who's the... Oh, yeah. Eric McCormick. He's straight. He's... Okay. Yeah, he's in a Netflix show that I, I really like. But, yeah. Okay. I... It's been forever, but like, okay, I apologize. Um, I just, I remember that of them giving each other feedback for that and talking about how they needed to rein Jack's character in a little bit and Mm -hmm. everything else. So I don't know why I thought that, but anyway, (laughs) I had it backwards. I apologize. I never Um, watched it. I never never watched, I didn't watch it when it was initially on, but I it's on Hulu now, so I watched mm-hmm. like maybe half the series on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. I feel like I've seen half the series because it was a show that was on when I was living by myself and was able to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that there were two sides to the different characters. Like you had the very flamboyant, you know, just Jack, and then you had the more reserved Will, mm-hmm. and. Having LGBTQIA friends that are are both, <laughs> it was nice to see that portrayed well. But I always felt that it might 
it's still the stereotype, you know, you're still up playing Jack's character. And then Will would have those moments too, which it happens. It's just real life. It's realistic, but it's still TV. And I don't know, I guess maybe I'm always going to have a problem with that. <laughs> but I mean, that still was a big show because it was uh, like, it was the first show where like you had a gay lead like that. Yes. Or a gay co-lead. Yeah. Oh. It was just the first, it was one of the very first popular, uh, I forget, it's not, what are those slots called? The prime slots? Is that what they're called? Prime they're time. Like, prime time. Yeah. Prime time slots that featured prominent uh, LGBTQIA characters. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I honestly, my favorite character was uh, Karen's housekeeper. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, that I actress, love that actress just died recently, too. I know. Oh. The person who played her housekeeper? Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look. I don't know who she is. Yeah, which, uh, she, I think, like, she hadn't been in the revival. No. And they killed her in the revival, then she died in, like, <laughs> soon after, the actress died soon after that. December. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, there were some stereotypes with her character too, um, but I always liked that she she had the tenacity to fight back with Karen. You know, here's a person of color who's slapping down a white woman. <laughs> a very powerful white woman too, and I loved that aspect. Because it felt much more real than just having her be, you know, the the Mexican housekeeper. And I loved their banter. I liked the fact that she felt confident enough to say some of the things that she did. She was funny as fuck. And I, I loved their relationship. Because as much as they would fight and argue and bicker and put each other down, them in the bathtub drinking champagne is just a beautiful scene. Like, <laughs> it was just perfect. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that while they could be disrespectful to each other, they were still, like, they still upheld one another with the highest respect. Yeah. And those are the kind of things I want to see. I want to see those things for LGBTQIA uh, actors and actresses and characters, and I want to see that for neurodivergent actors and actresses and characters. And I, I feel like we're moving towards that, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Like, I know the biggest effort lately has been that a cisgendered actress was uh, set, set to portray a transgender character. And I'm pretty sure that actress has stepped down from the part. Yeah, well, I, are you talking about Scarlett Johansson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she stepped away from that project so that somebody, um, so, so that a, a, an actual transgender person could take on that role, which I respect her for doing, but I understand that by originally taking on the role, she was just doing her job, you know? Yeah. I, the industry is still very much 
jaded when it comes to that. Like, they have no problem using LGBTQIA characters in shows, but to actually cast an actor is, is still a difficulty. And I have friends that are uh, actors that are in the LGBTQIA community and they have a hard time. They, they actually work with theater companies that are only LGBTQIA um, groups. And I understand that and I respect it, but it's a divide that needs to be broken. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be such a, such a hardship to find a part for yourself. Yeah. But I know a lot of them feel that if you're not androgynous enough, they won't hire you to play the parts and that blows. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is. And it, it, it's a disservice, too, because I feel like by bringing in people who are or have at least a base knowledge of the things you want them to do, it'll bring more authenticity to it. Like, that's why when I saw that the actress for Everything's Gonna Be Okay was neurodivergent, I got excited. And then when the previews actually came out for it, I was like, oh, oh no. Just no. But I could be wrong. You know, I'm I'm not neurotypical either, but I'm I'm not neurodivergent in that way either. So, I mean, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe somebody else has a different standpoint of it. And I'd love to hear different viewpoints of it. I also probably need to sit down and suck it up and watch the show and make a better opinion. I think I'm going to check it out. And yeah, I mean, I'd love it, to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard, you know, when they do have just the trailers or, like, commercials it comes mm-hmm. off like worse than it actually is. So yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Um, yeah. 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 Maybe they, maybe it's just bad promos. So yeah, who knows? it might be. Yeah. It certainly happened with other movies and TV shows before. Mm-hmm. Oh. Huh. Who knows? It is. I just, I just, as a mom and as a neurodivergent person, I want there to be as many depictions of, I don't want to say unnormal because again, normal is so subjective and what is normal for me is not going to be normal for Crystal or even for you, Joey. And that's what's so beautiful about it. That's what's so great about being human is that there's so many different dimensions and so many different facets regarding people, but I want all of those to be represented. And maybe that's the naivety of me, but I feel like there are enough people out there that are talented enough to write, act, depict, draw, create, all of those things in ways that are representative in a positive manner while still showing the nitty gritty and I I feel it's important because I I honestly feel kids especially feel so alone 
when it comes to differences because a majority of the time they're not represented. And if if we can get more mainstream things or just at least discussions of it out there, I feel like it would help kids and even some adults just feel so much more comfortable with who they are and uh, you know, explaining things and understanding, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there, there I go again. You yeah. know what I love? My favorite part of you guys, this podcast, is when she gives this long explanation. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> See, it's the married couple. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. <laughs> You have a way with words that I don't. That's just the thing of it. I'm the same way, though. Like, I can think it in my head, but to say it out loud sometimes, it's like, eh. Yeah. And I'm the funny thing is that you guys say that. It's such a compliment, and I'm over here blushing, <laughs> to be told <laughs> that I have such a way with words. But in my head, I'm constantly freaking out, like, am I explaining this right? Are people going to hate me? Am I going to get hate mail? <laughs> I articulated this right, and I i don't know. It's just, I always feel like I'm going on these long spiels and just rambling and not making any sense. So to hear that I'm actually putting it in a way that, you know, is, is understandable and is, well, yeah. That, that's the way, I think that's the way we feel, too. Oh, because, I do. Yeah, well, because when... Even the Crystal, even though you haven't done one in a while, when you would do your podcast, you feel like you're rambling on and on. Mm-hmm. But like it, it's, it's, it, you may not feel as making like I've done it on my podcast too, where I feel like I'm not if I'm rambling, I'm not making anything I'm saying isn't making sense. But I'll get feedback from like Daryl or Gary or someone saying that, you know, I'm really like really getting a hang of this. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't hear it when I'm doing it, but apparently the like what comes out is working. Yeah. So, I think we're all our all our own biggest critics. Oh, definitely. And I I've found that as I'm transcribing all of our shows so that we can make it more accessible to people I I am loving that. <laughs> I, I'm loving that uh, you and I have such a great back and forth that we almost finish each other's sentences in some cases, and it's great because it's it's a comfortability, it's an acknowledgement of our strengths. And there was one show where I I was trying to explain something, I couldn't find the right words, and you came in and just completely finished the thought process that I had, and it was great. Because it, 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 it's, it's seamless and it's, it's so weird because we've never met in person. And I think that's one thing that people don't understand is that <laughs> Joey and I's relationship as platonic and friendly and awkward married couple as it is, um, <laughs> is, is purely online. It's purely through doing this. And there's nothing bad with that. I have great internet friends and I, I know you guys have great internet friends too. Um, but it's amazing how quickly those relationships and that thought process can kind of blend. 
And somebody said this on a different podcast about how they were talking to some of their other female podcasting friends, and they're all synchronized. And I, I took a second to think about that because I'm like, that's awkward. Like, they're synchronized hormonally. And then I, as she expanded my thought process, I understood that she meant, no, they were synchronized when they all got together and were talking on podcasts or something. Like, they all didn't necessarily have the same thought process, but they all could at least understand and help the other one verbalize what they were thinking. Like, oh, that's Joey and I. We're so synced. Yeah, and Crystal, you and I have that, and we have that with other people ourselves. Oh, yeah. We get to see each other next weekend, too. Yeah, again. Which I'm looking forward to. I am, too. I need to get out of the house. I literally have barely left the house in weeks, so it'll be nice to get out and hang out with everybody. Yeah. I was talk- I was talking to Amanda about it uh, a few days ago, which uh, we're... It's me, you, her again, Caitlin, mm-hmm. and like I'm gonna be meeting Daryl. Yeah, you're gonna be meeting Daryl. You're gonna be meeting Amber, the other Amber. Deets. Yep, and then yeah. um, Michelle should be coming. I have not met Michelle in person yet. Neither have I. Yeah. So, and Al- Allison is saying she's coming to Flying Pig. That's to awesome. Support. Yes. Yes. Awesome. It's a good yeah, I, uh, I know my caricature sales are uh, slowly building up to pay for my ticket. Awesome. <laughs> I'm very excited. So yeah, she, uh, she will be there to support us. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be bringing the signs and the glitter. <laughs> <laughs> I have to throw glitter. I have to honor space, mom. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's gonna be a. Uh... That weekend is going to be a great one too. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's, it's my it's my first ten uh, k, five k, whatever k marathon. It's my first one of any kind ever. Yeah, that was my first race too. Ever. So. It's not bad at all. Like literally, it's oh my god, all the people that are like clapping for you and like telling you great job that are on the sidelines they don't even know you it just it's so amazing it was so awesome and I ran the entire thing like by myself and it wasn't bad at all it was really cool just listening to music and seeing all the people and what did what did you do 10 yeah I did the 10k is that what you're doing again I'm doing the 10 and the (laughs) 5 Oh, shit. Yeah, it's the 10K and then like a half an hour later or so, you do the 5K. <laughs> oh my, I'm only, well, it's my first one. I'm only doing the 10. Yeah, so. the 10. I mean, it's, the 10 is awesome. Yeah. Oh, boy. So. <laughs> it's really not bad. I was like literally crying up until I started running. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen. And it was like, it was totally fine. It was totally fine. I psyched myself out so bad. And it was not bad at all. Huh. 
I feel like that's a common occurrence when you do runs is that you set yourself out that it's going to be so much worse than it actually is. Yeah. I think anytime you're doing something you've never done before mm-hmm. and you have something, you have something in your mind of like how it's, it, it, it can be overwhelming. It can be intimidating. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, hearing, hearing from you and hearing from other, like our other friends who are like, you know, it'll be over before you know it. It will. And it's it's sad when it is over because it's like, oh, man. Yeah. It was, it's an experience. It's so cool because, like, you'll be in Kentucky, too. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really cool. And Kate, she walked the entire thing. She, like, speed walked, so. Yeah. There's people that run the whole thing. There's people that run walk. There's people that walk. There was moms like pushing their strollers. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> there is no way I can run. I cannot run with my son in the stroller. Yeah. Not- I've tried. Oh, I can't do it. No, I can't either. There's no way. Yeah. I think I might alternate between walking and maybe jogging. That's what I did. I ran, walked. Yeah. But I I hope my knees are okay by then. I've been having like knee problems for the past couple of months. But my knees are just so sore in the morning and throughout the day. Yeah. I would just take some ibuprofen. That usually helps me. If I'm feeling sore. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can just speed. I mean, you can just speed walk it. It doesn't have to be a ton of. I think I ran the first two miles. And then I was like, okay, we're going to run, walk, run, walk. And I didn't even. I would like pick. Well, I've only done two races so far. But even the second race that I did, the 5K that I did in November I, I just saw some people that were about, you know, the same speed as I was. And, like, when they got really far away from me, then I would start running. And then when I'd get really close to them, I would start walking. And that's just how I did it. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't time, like, intervals or anything saying, okay, I'm going to walk for 30 seconds, you know, and then run for a minute. I just yeah listened to my body. and I think... I think I'm going to, like, jog as much as I can and, like, do each, like, each interval will be, like, as just as long as I feel I can do it. Yep. And then. I didn't even look at the, um, I didn't even look at my watch, like, during the, the whole thing. I didn't even care about time. I'm just like, okay, I'm doing it. And. It really makes you feel accomplished, too. It really. Yeah. I just want to. I mean, I want more to. I just want to say that I did it. Did it. Mm-hmm. I finished. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to be. I want to be Rocky in the first Rocky movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, he loses the fight. He just wants to go the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Like, you just want to prove to yourself that you can, that you are capable of doing it. 
you don't have to place first. You don't have nope. to win. You just have yeah. to accomplish it. And that's the important part. Yeah. And that's what I listened to. Is it from Rocky? Um, what's Eye of the Tiger from? It's that's from, yeah, that's Rocky. Okay. It's, it's from Rocky three and okay. it's again and they use it again in Rocky Four. Okay. Yeah. I know I watched those as a kid. I don't remember what they're about. Like I don't remember them very much, but when I run, yeah. I listen to eighties music. So <laughs> Yes. Um, that's like the only it's so weird. I cannot run to anything else. I I have added Lizzo. <laughs> I work out, yeah, I work out to Lizzo, like, for cardio, but when it comes to, like, running, I can't listen to, like, any hip-hop or anything. It has to be 80s. Yeah, when I go for my uh, night walks and runs now, because I'm I'm slowly trying to build up to running again, because I was doing really good, and then I screwed up my um, IT band, and I had to take a break from that, but I can still walk. Mm -hmm. Good for that, but yeah. Um... I, I started to throw some Lizzo in recently, and I've got, like, Kenny Loggins, um, ACDC, then Lizzo. <laughs> like, my, my playlist bounces around so much. But I, I, I've noticed that when I go, like, actively running and I'm focusing on trying to hit a certain time, my playlist is very much all of my angry music. Mm-hmm. I and- listen to metal, like, angry music. Yeah. I don't know what it is about angry music, but it just makes me push harder. Although falling on your ass on black ice while running, mm-hmm. not recommended. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I don't really I don't really care to run outside. Like for races, I mean you have to, but <clears throat> I don't really run outside. It's it's the only place I can right now, just because I I have a gym membership that we're focusing on getting. We're gonna start going to Planet Fitness, which is like apparently the big Chicago place. Like all the, all the Chicago weight loss people that I follow on Instagram are all Planet Fitness people. Mm-hmm. But regardless, um, they, the only reason I'm I'm looking at that one is because they literally just opened one up where the Cardinal Fitness used to be, uh, right over by my grocery store. So it's within walking distance. It's a mile and a half walk. That's awesome. And. Uh, yeah, so I can walk there as a warm up and then, you know, go running or biking or use the stairmaster, whatever, lift some weights and then walk home. Um, but I I prefer having, like, if I had a video screen that kind of circled the treadmill, I think I'd probably run longer and faster on it. Mm-hmm. Just because I I need that stimulation of things changing around me. Like, I can't watch a TV show because it's stationary. Yeah. And I think that's... Like, I, I can do it on my elliptical if, in the house if it's below freezing temp, too dangerous to go outside, or if it's super rainy. But I would rather go out in the elements and, and run slash walk through my neighborhood with my knife and my mace. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say, I'm so paranoid. I'm, I I have, like, this love-hate relationship with watching the shows that I watch because it makes me aware, but then it makes me, like, I went to Dollar General the other day, and a couple people looked kind of sketch, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my taser in. <laughs> it's like, so I bad. Just... 
you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people are real judgy and like they judge one certain type of person. Oh no, I don't yes. trust anyone. <laughs> no, I, I, don't trust I honestly anyone. am afraid of, of white guys than I am anybody else in the area. Yeah. And I, I think it's because nobody suspects the white guy in all of my serial killer, all of my serial killer books and documentaries show me that it's always the white guy. Pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, I, I usually carry a knife on me. And I've mentioned this in my Murderinos group uh, that I, I carry a ceramic knife on me. I'm like, well, why is that? Because I know how much pressure it is to snap off the blade. And if the dude gets away, at least he's going to have to go to a fucking hospital and the police can get him. Yeah. Have a, you know, a fucking knife blade in his chest. But um, we had uh, some incidents recently where some girls were ending up in dumpsters. Oh. So I, I've now started carrying mace and my knife. Yeah, I have mace and then I bought a stun gun off of Amazon. Yeah, I, I want one, but they're illegal in Illinois, and I know that. I mean, I'd rather take a fine. For I wonder it. if they're they're probably illegal here too. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm pretty sure that if I you know tased a dude who was trying to murder or rape me, yeah. I'd get a lesser sentence than that guy. But you never, yeah, know. yeah. You know, I hope I hope the police would be smart enough to do that. But who knows? I mean, it's like, yeah. Amanda heard mine. I'll show you mine, Joey. Okay. It's pretty loud. It was only 10 bucks. It's pretty loud, though. I think it could mm. do some damage. Taze someone in their neck. I think that's where you're supposed to do it. Uh, neck or um, collarbone okay. was where I was taught. Because the collarbone has that muscle right underneath it that'll send them into spasms. Don't quote me on that, though. I, it's been a while since I learned about that. Because uh, my ambulance company that I worked for actually had the taser. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, you know, I, this might be too much information, but certain people that are inebriated with certain chemicals, you can fire a pellet gun at them and they keep coming. Yeah. So... It, that's really one of the only ways to stop them and safety is a number one feature where I was working. So I just remembered that there's a certain muscle that you're supposed to aim for because it'll literally send the body into spasms in a safe way. Like it won't stop a heart or anything, but it, it just causes the person to like momentarily go ah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh. Oh, I hate to do this. It's getting kind of late here. I yeah. know it's five. Well, it's four where you are, right, Allison? Yeah. Yeah. Where I am. Yeah, it's five here. Yeah, we're getting ready to do some stuff here. What so. are you doing? Yeah. Anything fun? Super Bowl. Oh, God. Of course. You... I totally <laughs> forgot. Sports ball. Is your mom making something to eat? Yeah. What is she making? A bunch of shit. Oh my like, god! She, like she makes this uh, oh. for for stuff for events like this, she makes this like great cheese dip where she puts like meat and like I think uh, fuck was like Rotel in it. Oh man! Or it's some it's fantastic. I so. need some. 
I need some Super Bowl eats. <laughs> I'm making chorizo fries. Yeah. All I have is taco soup that I made like days ago that I hope is still good. I'm sure it is. It's going to be fine. Actually, I should probably I have, uh, freeze it. I have in my freezer uh, some cream of asparagus soup that I made because I can't have mushrooms. I can't have salts. It's like the blandest crap ever. But I'm looking forward to these chorizo fries and I don't care what they do to my body right now. Yeah. I just, I need real food. Yeah. <sighs> well, have fun eating all that food over there, Joey. God. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your Super Bowl fun. I'm going to go finish off the caricature I have to do and then start another one. I'm going to actually, I think, watch that. I was watching on Hulu. I am a killer. All these people talking about. They're I in... think that's Netflix. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, Netflix. Yep. But I'm actually going to check that show out on Hulu right now. So I'll have to let you guys know okay. what I think. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I'll be interested. But yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you again for putting us in your ears. <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about how Leslie Nope was right. <laughs> that's next week? Yep, that's next week. That's our our how to, our Valentine's Day survival guide and why Leslie Nope is so brilliant. Okay. Yes. You'll probably have Thanks to write Thanks for having mine. me on, you guys. Anytime. We love you, Krista. I love you guys, too. We love you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Allison, you'll have to remind me again like throughout the week of what we're talking about. Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got your back, my friend. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well. We're exciting. Uh, I should have a schedule up for those who follow up on Instagram by Wednesday, as long as Joey approves it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm open to anything on this podcast, so. I know, right? Awesome. All right. All right, then. Well, have a good Super Bowl. I hope your sports ball team wins. <laughs> I don't really have a dog in the fight, but I am rooting for the Chiefs because I have some Kansas City-based friends. Well, my husband's yeah. rooting for the Chiefs, too. I'm rooting for the 49ers because nobody else is, so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a few people are, but. Yeah. Hey, I'm just happy the Patriots aren't in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, fans. <laughs> all right. I, I love both of you. Love you too. I'll see you next weekend, Joey. I'll see you then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next Monday. Yeah. Right. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week. You Bye. Too. Bye. Bye.